Here is Charles coming into you live and location for the shoot, the Ron Hill shoot, for the new Harry Bolton shoe, which is designed for Ron Hill. Uh, upsettingly, they are not called the Harry Bolton electric sex shoes, but we're up Bordel at the moment. <clears throat> uh, typical Bordel weather of it's absolutely pissing it down, but the sun is out, and there's a double, possibly even a triple rainbow in the sky. Uh, I might have just had a lot of sugar, I'm not sure which it is, but anyway, we just had to go out and take some more photos, so I'll let you know how it goes. This is a podcast, we talk about running, we talk about other things too. So please come and join us, we hope you enjoy this. This is On The Back Foot. I'm also joined here on location with the 2023 Lakeland Classics Trophy winner, Jodie Gray, who, is this your first time modelling, Jodie Gray? Um, yes, yes it is. It is? Yep. How are you finding it? It's alright, yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah. When you're running along, what, what thought have you got in your head? Um, what on earth is my face doing at this point? Oh yeah. That's what my thought is, yeah. Uh, uh, I just don't run around thinking, don't fall over. Don't fall over. <laughs> don't it. trip up. <laughs> okay, well... Kind regards, Jodie Gray. <laughs> Riveting stuff for you, you folks. You don't win the Lakeland Classics by chit-chatting Jacob Tonkin. There you go. <laughs> you heard it here first. <clears throat> Riveting stuff for you, folks. Please don't put that in. Oh, it's going in. Don't you worry. <laughs> don't you worry. Yeah, I just normally leave recording and just whatever internal memoirs. My auntie was driving that bus. <laughs> we're outside Borneo School where my auntie works and she's just driven past in the bus. That's one of the highlights of the one of the highlights of yeah. Harry Bolton's loitering outside of primary school in a Fiat Doblo. What could go wrong? <laughs> well this is exciting. Sounds like Ron Hill's new prototype is out. Um well it's having a photo shoot. We've got Jacob Tonkin reporting live from a photo shoot. I mean, that really is top-class sports radio. Um, Will Boothman appears to have taken a weekend off. Um, he's been putting in a phenomenal running effort and uh, Munchie on the Moors effort. And it was nice to hear from a former guest, James Gray, who'd been out munching on the moors. Take I've packed my lunchbox. What's in yours? Tell me what you like or don't like when you're munching on the moors. Hello. Um hang on. <coughs> Hello Charlie. Uh this is uh, Gray of Boland Foreigners back with some more munching on the moors and excitingly i am actually on a moor delivering this live from a moor um i am out for my sunday long run uh it is currently half nine in the morning i'm about halfway through my run i set off just after dawn which, if anybody who knows me knows, that is not my style. I, I wish I was one of those like super motivated runners who get up every every morning for the 
5am club or whatever. I did get up at 5am, but I fucking hated it. I hate, I hate, it's the smugness of these people that gets to me. But actually, I can feel, I can already feel the smugness spreading through me. Like some kind of radiation poisoning. It's sort of beaming through myself. So I can understand why they do it. Uh, I am up on my club's namesake, Boland, um, which is actually a rare occurrence for me, although it's second time this week. I am on the shooter's tracks, which, as the name suggests, are tracks for people who shoot. They're like gravel 4x4 track, and for anybody who spends any time running uh, off-road in North Lancashire, shooters will be uh, synonymous with that. Um, Boland either has these kind of M6 motorway equivalent of running or sapping tussock and bog and just hellscape of unrunnable mud, which has its place and there is some really good stuff. Uh, I thoroughly encourage anyone who hasn't to come and do Cluffer fell race in June, or we've just had Bleasdale fell race the weekend before, um, there is some really good running, it's, it's uniquely war. Um, but from where I sit, I've just crossed over to the kind of eastern watershed uh, above Robendale, it's probably pronounced slightly differently, I can see the three peaks of Yorkshire, um, opposite, I can see the eastern um, lakes, the Western Dales, Barbon, and looking back from, from where I started, you could see all the way across Morecambe Bay and the Western uh, lakes, far west lakes, from like Coniston to Kentmere in the east, and you, all the way around Morecambe Bay and the Fylde Coast, the Blackpool Tower. And this morning, it's quite clear, or it was clear early on, there was even a glimmer of the North Wales Hills actually, which is quite cool. We've got Pendle Hill to the south of me, which is the scene of next week's uh, Pendle Race, which will sure to be exciting. Um, and the first county in our club champs. I don't think I'll be racing, but it's nice to know it's there. Uh, yeah, really, it's a really nice spot. It's just, it's a, it's a grouse shooting moor, so um, it's a, uh, it's populated by a very uniquely aggressive um, breed of grouse, but I suppose you you probably would be quite aggressive if um, a load of people with double-barrelled names and shotguns in tweed kept blasting you out of the sky. As uh, Olga of Preston put it, uh, <laughs> uh, grouse, rich people grow them to shoot them, but uh, I'm sure some people enjoy it. Um, but as you know, anybody who's enjoyed running on the tracks, I suppose we, we have to be thankful for that. Um, perhaps not so much for the stripping away and burning of the heather and all the rest of it, but comes and goes. Um, swings and roundabouts even. Anyway, um, munching on the moors. Uh, I have been doing some more longer runs the, uh, the past few weeks and getting back into the habit of eating. I try and eat kind of every half an hour-ish. Oh, a grouse just came from my head. Um, every half hour-ish. And I have got the usual kind of like gels and um, some bars. Uh, but I have been 
also carrying a cheese sandwich chopped into quarters which I've been munching on. Um, it's a extra mature cheddar, uh, heavily buttered kind of a granary seedy Aldi loaf, not a bloomer, uh, heavily salted butter uh, and that's it, very plain. Would If you were eating it at home you'd maybe be a bit disappointed but I think if it was being dipped in soup it'd be quite nice. Um, I've never been one to shirk a crust. I did consider cutting them off because obviously it is the driest part of the loaf and I did wonder about chewing on those, especially because I was planning on running, not quick, but you know, succinctly. Uh, but I kept them on because I one day hope to grow hairs on my chest and so I keep ploughing away. They are a bit of a struggle, um, the crusts. The rest of it's okay. I think I've been sort of chew I've not been chewing them enough. I think I've been gulping them down, and they've been kind of sticking in my gullet a little bit. Um, but I think cheese is a is a really good food for longer stuff. It's got lots of fat and protein, and then the bread obviously has its carbs. And if you go for kind of granary, it's a bit of a slower release. So that's that's good. But I did have a bad experience on a longer race a couple of years ago. Where I decided to almost exclusively eat cheese, and it was a really strong sort of mountain cheese. Um, and after about maybe 100k um, aid stations, every about 10k, so about 10 aid stations, I've had cheese at almost every single one. Cheese and Coca-Cola, and um, I did start to get quite a bit of heartburn. But I'm not eating that much this time, so it's okay. Um, so I've got about a, another hour and a half, maybe two hours back, hopefully less than two hours. Um, one big descent and one big climb to go, and then a big descent. Um, should be nice. Um, just wanted to raise a small matter from one of the previous Munching on the Moor contributors, um, Flapjack Gate. I just want to introduce. Oh, well, I want to not question because I'm not. Um, I'm not a construction type, but we're talking about substrates. But I, I wonder whether aggregate is perhaps the better term for inclusions other than the main matrix. I don't know. I just feel like um, we perhaps need to investigate that. Um, it's a really beautiful day and I'm, I am actually glad I got out. There's loads of geese. I've seen oyster catchers and lapwings and I've heard all sorts of other birds and seen lots of, well, it's mainly sheep to be honest. Obviously no chance of a, what they called hen harrier because they all got killed by the gamekeepers as they continue to do. Um, which is only fair, because they are utter bastards. Goodbye. So Jody Gray is telling us that you don't get anywhere chit-chatting with Jacob Tonkin and James Gray, no relation I don't think, is bringing us a cheese sandwich to Munchie on the Moors. But his twist is to cut it into fours. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there helping you out, teaching you how to get better at stuff. And I just hope you appreciate what strong information I'm bringing here. Back to the shoot. Harry Bolton has just made us a really strong coffee in the back of his Fiat Doblo. And an interesting fact for anyone who doesn't know this, but Harry Bolton has to drink at least five litres of water every day. Judging by the amount of water that is in this back of the van. 
Harry Bolton, have you got a few, few words for all the listeners whilst you're pouring some water? How do you think this shoot's going at the moment? Um, yeah, it's going well. It's got it's pretty wet now, though. Are you optimistic that the, the weather will get better? Um, looking out the window and seeing oh, the hail, I'm not that hailing. optimistic. Hailing but now. it can't get much worse. <clears throat> no, it can't Don't get much that. worse. Sounds like it's hossing it down up there. We've just had a brief stop for lunch. We have all got a brand spanking new pair of the Harry Bolton electric sex shoes on. And we're about to go out and run across the trail. Oh, I hate saying that. <laughs> run across the trails and get some photos of us because we're trail runners. But we are currently waiting at the head of the trail. Our photographer, Ben, has brought a delightful golfing umbrella with him as well. <clears throat> Oh, it's from the Lake Distillery, actually. It's the fancy umbrella, that. And, yeah, so we're just about to go. I think Harry Bolton wants us to get a wiggle on, so... Yeah, we are going to go and have some photos taken of our feet. Wish us luck. I trimmed my beard especially for this, and it's a shoe shot. So I don't think my face is even going to get in the pictures. But anyway, wish you all the best. Kind regards, Jacob Tonkin. That's a shame. It sounds like he's put a real effort in there. Uh, maybe if there's some photos going spare from this shoot they could be shared um would love jacob's fresh beard trim to be out you know out there online and you know i i think maybe ron hill uh brand need to know just how good that man is teach uh, teaching cumbrian um and that could help sell their shoes couldn't it I'm sure most people would buy a pair of Ron Hills uh, if they had some kind of you know Cumbrian wording on the side and um, yeah maybe calling them Harry Bolton's electric sex shoe would help their branding too I know Harry's been working hard on those trainers so I do hope um hope they're good and hope there's some success there um what fun what fun people are having all in the name of fell running and in terms of having fun yeah sorry i was um late with last week's podcast episode i was out on my holidays over in andalusia spain and to keep the flow from episode to episode i'll now bring you on the bobfoot and um i'm trying to work out how to do this without just talking about my holiday because i was down in devon last weekend as you know sampling cream teas and then i took a flight from exeter to malaga to get a bit of winter sunshine and um the weekly stats read a bit like this 12 hours and 48 minutes on feet, 50.1 miles covered, 3,037 metres, 9,964 feet. If only I'd been looking at that on the watch, I'm sure I could have found 36 feet somewhere to run up and down um, for those who love round numbers. And it began 
on a Monday. That's all these weeks seem to do. I start my week on the Monday. You might think it's pointless me saying that, but I do actually know people who start their running week on the Sunday just so they can get their mileage a bit higher up earlier in the week and feel like they're ahead of the game. Um, Anyway, the running began on Tuesday and I was out for an hour and 34 minutes to be exact. Uh, We were running from the door around the local beaches, stunning uh, a bit east of Malaga down the coast and feeling good. Legs were feeling rested as Monday had been my first rest day in quite some time, actually. I think it was my first running rest day for nearly, yeah, since the 15th of January. So that consistency had been there. And on the 19th of February, I was definitely ready for a rest day. And I felt good for it come Tuesday. There you go. No gym happened on Tuesday. Um, and I was enjoying my holiday too much to do any home exercises, so I wasn't a very good physio. I just ran. And on Wednesday, uh, I did a session in my bouncy shoes again, which I really loved. Um, This time, I did the correct amount of threshold effort. So there was one mile at threshold, followed by eight lots of two-minute hills, followed by one mile at threshold. Really felt good um, for the first hill rep and pretty damn good for the second. Sort of suffered through, I didn't suffer too much, but I couldn't quite get to the same um, dizzy heights of the first two reps, so I just ground it out. Saw an absolutely whopping jellyfish down at the beach after the session um, and went for a stunning hike in the local national park that evening and got a little bit of got a little bit of you know uh hiking in there um so yeah a bit more bit more volume through some steep hills and dipping in the rivers absolute stunner of a day that was and i was pleased with my session um on to thursday we were out for a grand total of four hours and 15 minutes now fran blackett has done me some more um you know teaching how to navigate and I have to say uh, me and Emma we were thinking oh dear Um, because as we're driving out of our accommodation she said to me should we go back and get the map and I said well we've got apps on our phones and we've got the Sierra Nevada guidebook we'll be all right won't we Uh, rather than the tricky drive back down the hill to our Airbnb. So we went without the map. It was a joint decision. Um, But yeah, a good hour of that run was uh, walking up and down the same couple of hills. Not sure where we actually were on the map. We'd missed some of the finer details. Um, We never fully strayed off the path, but we just did things the wrong way. So there was a good bit of getting lost. And some good learning for me at this point where I was getting lost and decision making was poor. I realised that was time to eat. And after eating lunch, I felt a lot better, as did Emma. And uh, yeah, we we made team decisions a lot better. The other thing that was a real note was I did find the biggest pine cone of the holiday. And I am the official 
largest pine cone in Spain champion. Uh, so that was nice too. Running was good. Legs were feeling good. Um, we hiked uh, La Camanita del Rey on um, Thursday, Friday, which meant another rest day from running. That was lovely. I would recommend it as a uh, little bit of tourism if you're ever over that way. And on the Saturday, we were in a place called Graza Lima and we went on some trails. I was the route master this time, um, but they were much more scrambly and hikey rather than decent running. So I managed to be out on our feet for three hours and 43 minutes there, uh, getting a bit more volume in. Um, but also getting really cold. A uh, local asked us where our trousers were. We were wearing shorts. And um, yeah, it was it was another bit of sort of tight to fun, as was Sunday's tandem bike ride on a very small crappy bike, which steered a lot to the wrong side. It was a really, it was like Spain's answer to the Monsal Trail, uh, for any of those familiar with Derbyshire. Um and yeah, it it just it was for the first fifteen miles it was a very slight uphill, like a two, three percent gradient, but constant on a crap bike. I was uh getting a bit tired and um yeah, I think it did look a bit like a kid's bike next to my levels, but tandem bike riding has definitely been a good staple of my Bob Graham tri- training and I'm reaping the benefits. Um and I managed to go for a run that night along the coast of Malaga. Got in a few strides, again in my bouncy shoes, feeling good. Um, I'm trying to like use them for, like I say, for for any sessions on road, any like high intensity stuff. Because um, I hadn't packed, because it was Ryanair, uh, they were also the shoe of choice for that run too. Uh, because I didn't take too much shoe selection. But I did find that I looked really dapper when I wore them out to dinner. Um so yeah, it's been another good week. Um, I'm pleased with having a lovely holiday and also getting some good volume in. Um, the body is feeling a lot better than it was in January. And this weekend, I'm hoping that that'll let me enjoy Ilkley Moor Fell Race. So the defending Dr. Rothery, uh, the course record holder, I'm sure he'll be nervously listening to me talking about how great I'm feeling, um, hoping that the Lord of Totley is in full flow. He should be travelling up with me. I'm looking at the list. There's Tom Savile, Alex Mason, um, Kinog Williams, who might be battling out for a Yorkshire vest. Um, should be a good good run up there. There's, oh, what's his name now? He was supposed to be at Totley Moor, but he wasn't. Uh, ben Sharrock, he's there too. So there's some good names. I'm sure there's many more, um, but that was from a quick scan. Um, so Ilkley Moor will be a good race this weekend. And yeah, definitely people are getting ready, aren't they, for that first uh, Fell Champs of the season. Have I learned anything from this week? Um, well, I got a little bit of feedback on last week when I was talking about not feeling um, as beat up. And, you know, someone had mentioned a rule of thirds. Two people had mentioned it to me. So a third of the time you should feel good. A third of the time you should feel pretty average. And a 
third of the time you should feel like you've just trained hard. So I'm thinking you could break that up over a week or you could break it up over months. And um, let's say February was the month I felt good. Things felt a bit lighter. January was definitely the month I felt a bit uh, ropey and worn out. I'm hoping as I go into March, I hit a happy medium of training hard, um, not feeling like I'm training so hard that I'm wondering if I'm broken. Um, But yeah, getting some good quality in there. Got two fail races in there. And I think, speaking to coach, the volume could be increasing as we get closer towards the Bob Graham. Specifically for the Bob Graham, I still haven't actually been up to the lakes yet. Um, but I will be getting up there a lot over the next few months. That's something I'm really looking forward to. Um, In terms of what this week's training has taught me, I I sort of think like it was quite apparent at times where my mood might start to dip during a a day out where I start to think like, what I'm doing feels a bit harder and it was always worth taking a little stock check like do I feel a bit better if I eat do I feel a bit better if I drink you know so when I was on that tandem bike for example um, a bit of food a little stop and have a coffee and get back on and you know was feeling a lot better and the same with when we were out hiking, running, you know, we're starting to make decisions and we're thinking we're getting a bit stuck, have a little bit of food and, and get, get, get yourself back. So, you know, being aware of where your, where your head is at can also link to, you know, where is my body at? So I think the physic, how we feel physically and how we feel mentally really do work in tandem so there you go bringing that one all together um i've been reading a book this year which i've not quite uh completed but um james was talking about the 5am club uh i don't subscribe to waking up at five in the morning but i have been trying to read more and i've been reading a book called mindset which is all about a growth mindset i might be a bit late to the game uh, the message is kind of repetitive through the book, but it's a nice message. Um, and uh, tonight is a Totley, or Tetley AGM. I'm standing down as club captain. I was almost thinking about dodging the AGM because every time I go, I end up um, volunteering for things. And I think some of that is a little bit of people pleasing, but currently I just feel I've got too much uh too much going on to be doing a voluntary role so as learning my growth mindset i am going to go to the agm see all the lovely talk with people but also politely decline so i don't know tomorrow i might be the treasurer of totley ac or i am um, i might have actually successfully stood down as role of captain because I want to give everything to my new business and uh, my family and friends and um, also, you know, my running too. And this podcast.
looking forward to the start of the championship season. It looks like people are getting out there, getting some races in. And I've got a race report coming up now from Chris Albra, the beast from the northeast at High Cup Nick. Hi Charlie, um, thought I'd send you something in for High Cup Nick, um, just in case nobody else has. Um, so it was on the race was on Saturday, just gone. And um, High Cup Nick is this sort of steep-sided gorge uh, on the west side of the North Pennines, and the race sort of goes up the middle of it, then sort of round the rim and back down, um, starting and finishing in Dufton. Um, and it's a bit of a, I think it's quite an iconic race. I think it's, re- well, it's really popular. Normally seems to sell out, um, sort of 500 odd runners. And um, yeah, so it's quite a big race, um, like sponsored by Innovate. And, you know, I think there's quite good prizes maybe. Um, but yeah, so um, the race itself starts in the village. Um, it seemed like we were on concrete for a while, maybe half a mile to a mile. And then, um, sort of boggy fields um, sort of jumping over ditches and things um, for for a while and then a nice little stream crossing sort of knee deep and then this boggy section at the middle of the, of the like valley just went on for, for ages and it just varied from ankle deep to knee deep um, bog um, so so yeah I mean right up my street really you know similar to Weirdale um, so yeah, um, then a little bit of a scrambly boulder field, um, like just a little section, and then it just sort of climbed up a bit to the to what's called the nick, the sort of the top of the valley. Um, tiny scramble, got a little bit steep there, but nothing particularly, yeah, not long at all. And then the, you run around the sort of rim, which sort of you think it should be flat, but actually on tired legs it doesn't really feel that flat. Um, and then there's a really nice long downhill back into the village, sort of through fields, which is which is really fast. It's just that perfect gradient of just hack it down there, like easily under sort of 5k sort of pace. Um, so yeah. Um, so before the race, I had a little look at the um, entry list because uh, I'm a loser, and I thought, oh, who, who's doing it? Have I got a chance of any sort of podium position? And yeah, there's 500 people on the list, so um, yeah, I'm a loser, but I'm not going to look through 500 names. So I just picked up like some key clubs. So I looked at Keswick and Ambleside, there's nobody there I sort of recognised. Um, looked at Helm Hill, saw Tim Lamont, but there weren't any other names I recognised actually. So I had a little tiny bit of, ah, basically for me to win anything, loads of other people don't need to turn up. Yeah, need to not turn up. Um, but then warming up we saw Dan Howarth and I realised I forgot to check Matlock and um, Dan and Billy were there um, and then about 30 seconds after the start I saw someone called Chris Larkin who um, has just joined Northumberland fell runners and um, yeah absolutely destroyed me in a race before Christmas so so yeah it was clear about 30 seconds in I didn't really yeah I'd be nowhere near the front really so then um so yeah, but I've got a little lesson here because what I did was I sort of thought, well, I'm just going to enjoy the race. I'm not going to absolutely kill myself on the first one because, you know, what's the point really? Um, doesn't matter if I come 6th or 7th, 10th or 11th, not really. So um, I just ran hard 
and stayed with the group I was with and I did run hard, don't get me wrong, but I didn't, as I say, I didn't kill myself. Um, but what it meant was I actually paced the race quite well because I actually had some energy in the second half, whereas normally I'm just hanging on for dear life in the second half. So, yeah, a bit of a lesson there. I'm going to try and enjoy the first half of races more so that I actually have some energy left for the second half. Um, so, anyway, so at the front, um, as far as I could see, it looked like Tim, Tim Lamont, um, Billy, yeah, Billy Cartwright, Dan Howarth were sort of switching it around a bit at the front with Chris Larkin sort of in fourth. But then on that really long descent, I think that's when Tim pulled away and chatting to Chris afterwards, um, he managed to just get a little bit of a gap on Billy, who came third. So Chris actually came second, which was a you know quite a surprise, really. And then, yeah, Billy third, Dan fourth. Um, a chap from Helm Hill, um, who I didn't know before, um, Lewis Bonus came fifth. So, yeah, add him to the long list of names that always beat me. And then, yeah, I came sixth. Um, yeah. So, and actually, as I came into the village, I heard, like, breath on my shoulder. So I sort of put my foot down at the end. Turns out it was Ian Holmes who came seventh. So he was gaining, he must have gained on me on the descent. So yeah, incredible that he's running that sort of fast in his 50s. Um, yeah, amazing. Um, for the women, um, Emily Cowper-Coles won it. Um, Caroline Lambert came second and Abby Pierce third. Um, I think Emily's winning time wasn't that far off the course record. Um, and I think Tim Lamont was one minute off the course record. So, so yeah, really good times. Um, the weather was nice, just a little bit of a breeze facing you on the descent, but it wasn't cold or anything. Um, and yeah, nice, clear. I mean, that boggy bit, if it was raining, that would just swallow you up. I like if it was really wet, but it was actually, yeah, nice sort of dry conditions. Um, yeah, Helm Hill won the men's team. I say that because I thought DFR might have a chance, um, but we came second. Um, Rory and John ran really well. They came 16th and 17th, but yeah, there was like three Hell Hill in the top 10, um, I think. So, so yeah, but no, really good race. Um, yeah, enjoyed it. Well, thank you, Chris, for that report from what sounded like an airplane cockpit. That was delightful. Um, pretty pleased. Tim Lamont was, you know, my hot tip to do some stuff this year in the championships and it looks like he's uh, heading in there with some form um, Hannah Russell was running well at the Kong race as was headbanger Ben Rothery you can't count those Matlock boys out there up there at High Cup Nick you've got this new man Chris Larkin if anyone knows who he is we uh, could have some information there Emily Cowper-Coles is obviously running well. I've seen Eve Pannoni have some good results. Let's not forget her partner, the mighty Matt Elkington. He uh, might have had a quieter season last season, but I feel he would like to do well at this year's Champs. So it's going to be another great year, isn't it? There are a lot of races coming up this weekend, so if anyone has 
a race report they would like to send to the podcast, then please do get in touch via the normal channels. You can hunt me down, I'm Charlie Baker, or you can email the podcast um, on the back foot pod at gmail.com. Now, as well as getting fit for races, it's important that you can find your way around. So here is Fran Blackett with a little bit of help on how to do that. Hello on the back foot listeners. It's Fran Blackett here, head haggis at Run Like a Haggis Navigation Courses. Uh, You can find me on Facebook, Instagram or the old fashioned internet uh, at www.runlikeahaggis.com. Uh, Charlie has asked me to uh, do a little segment, maybe some top tips for navigation. Uh, so I'm going to go with top tip number one, uh, mapping your hand. Uh, interestingly, some people on my uh, the last navigation course uh, looked a little alarmed when I said, okay, so always keep, always keep your map in your hand. Uh, I think they thought... Um, I was going to have like the whole uh, ordnance survey broadsheet map open and uh, carrying it in front of me. Uh, so no, their, their eyes were open, their worlds were enlightened when I showed them, the, fold the map, fold the map to the area that you are um, going to be travelling in. Um, obviously, if you're racing, your map's just a nice little A4 or maybe A3 map. Um, so map in your hand and thumb on the map again they were like what do you mean thumbing the map uh so what i mean is where you are pop your thumb on the map and then as you're running along um be moving your thumb along the map um (laughs) yeah uh everyone's probably gonna be like yeah yeah no got it but maybe not maybe this is also enlightening and eye-opening uh to you all or maybe some of you um Oh, I used to think, when I started rambling, I used to think, it's okay, Charlie will edit the rambles out. Um, but now I know better. Um, so I think I'm doing really well with that, keeping the rambles down. Uh, top tip number one, let's, let's, let's refocus. Top tip number one, we are thumbing the map. You're going along your race route or your walking route, wherever you're going, you've got your thumb on your map, you're tracking along. It means when you get to a checkpoint or you get to a junction and you're not sure, uh, you don't have to stop, uh, get your map out the bag, figure out where you are uh remember where you're supposed to be going just super quick your thumbs there look down check and you are off again um yeah there we are top tip number one keep your map in your hand it's almost two though isn't it map in your hands and thumb on the map and track where you are um hopefully you like it maybe i'll be back again for top tip number two We did like that. Thank you, Fran. So top tip, keep the map in your hand, put your thumb on it where you are. So as you heard in on the Bobfoot earlier, we left the house without a map and we were repaid by hiking up and down a hill over and over again. So definitely when you're going somewhere new that you don't know, take a map, keep it in your hand. Thank you, Fran. I'm sure your courses are great fun, much like your uh lunarless round report was and i appreciate these tips please keep them coming
Yes, that was the sound effect of a cat crashing in an alleyway. What fantastic things you can find on the uh, free sound libraries on the internet. That brings me to an advert again. Um, I've been asked if I could to promote a new, newish race in Sheffield. It has been described to me as an urban fell race by the race organiser James Hulse. And that is the Cat Lane Canter that will take place on Sunday the 21st of April 2024. Um, you can enter via SI entries. Um, basically, yeah, it's a urban fell race, according to James. James Hulse is a lovely member of Dark Peak. He wears the finest uh, Dark Peak shorts that I've ever seen. Um, who knows, he might wear those in his race organiser role, which would make the uh, race entry fee well worth the worth the money, if you ask me. But yes, if you're from Sheffield and looking for something local, um, the Cat Lane Canter should be on your radar. Um, if you're from further afield and looking for something different, who knows, maybe even Darren Fishwick will be... Uh, excited at a newer fell race being you know well worth the journey for him you never know so yeah that's the cat lane canter sunday the 21st of april 2024 i'm very happy to you know announce anything like that on the podcast um my friend damien thacker is trying to get his haversage hibernator going for next year and uh the, the people who've managed to run his nice new route all agree that that looks like a nice race too so keep these things coming um and yeah you know this is available broadcasting space i don't ask for anything but if you wanted me to promote something that i didn't feel was very good i probably wouldn't so there you are speaking of advertising things let's get back to mr tonkin some fresh off the fell from the ron hill shoot for the secret shoe which Harry Bolton has designed. Um, I'm not allowed to tell you what it's called, not allowed to give you any details whatsoever, other than that there are two shoes coming out. There's a car passing, I'll pause, BGS style. There's two shoes coming out. They are both very nice actually. I was surprised, it's the one I had on today was, was actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I have nothing to, um, no bad points to say about them, certainly. I didn't really want to take them off my feet all day. Uh, if anything, I forgot I was wearing them, which I think is quite a good sign for a, a shoe. My only downside to them, the only thing I would change, is that the name isn't what I would have named them. I think if you have someone like young Harry Bolton, making a shoe for you there is only one thing that you can call it and that of course is the harry bolton electric sex shoe so the fact that ron hill haven't called it the ron hill harry bolton electric sex shoe does displease me so if anyone from ron hills listen to this next time you make a shoe that's what you've got to call it so uh, jacob seems intent on sexualizing the new Ron Hill trainers and Harry Bolton. Um, I'm not going to condone this. Uh, I would say the only things I know about Harry Bolton is that he performs incredible feats of endurance. 
Um, he is an excellent dancer and his hair is remarkable at staying in place uh, during, um, you know, activity. So, you know, you can draw your own conclusions. More importantly, or less importantly, when it comes to trainers, Harry was so kind to uh, give me some further information. So this is somewhat of an exclusive. Those two trainers, one fell, one trail, will be out on Friday. So I hope they're as uh, exciting as this podcast has made them sound. Well done, Harry, working hard on a new trainer. It seems exciting to me um, that someone I know is designing a trainer. And uh, he's a great lad, isn't he, Harry? So let's hope he's made us a good shoe. And uh, yeah, let people enjoy those. Sounds like we've got some more munching on the moors. Hello. Um, I am back in the car. Uh, I just wanted to update on my choices of munching. Um, I was generally pleased with the cheese sandwich. And I was looking forward to my fourth and final quarter as I was going up the the final big climb. I thought I could work away on that. And um, I am driving as well. Um, But uh, I got to the climb and unzipped my bum bag and I'd wrapped, I'd individually wrapped each quarter in cling film because we didn't have any foil and I figured a sandwich bag wouldn't give the necessary um, tightness to hold the sandwich together. So um, so I'd use cling film, which I thought would be fine. But um, I think maybe as the bum bag slowly emptied out as I drank the, you know, the water that I had in there and at other sandwiches, there was more room for things to jostle about. And the final sandwich had... Um, the the repetitive bouncing action of running uh, had maybe sort of rolled the cling film off the sandwich and then all that I was left with was just obliterated bits of bread and cheese and butter uh, loose in the bottom of my bum bag and um yeah, uh, which had gone everywhere. Um, so I, some, I had to empty out as I was going up the hill. Uh, empty out my bum bag, and then um, I, so I tried to eat as many of the larger fragments as I could. I didn't want it to go to waste, but I was probably also taking in quite a lot of pieces of um, old uh, disintegrated race map and bits of fell side that I'd collected there from various bum slides. Um, so I didn't eat a lot of it, and the rest uh, sadly had to be put for the sheep. Um, yeah, not ideal. <clears throat> and then, so I still wanted to eat something, so I thought I'd crack into the bar that I'd brought. And this brings us back to the sort of sports nutrition debate versus real food and this is a bar that I think I won't name the brand um, 
that I think is aiming for more more real food but with perhaps some precision engineering as well it was beetroot and cocoa, cacao, whatever flavour and I'd never tried eating one on a run I think I had one before, we had a sample at work and I, I ate it at my desk and it, it was fine um, didn't really think about the mechanics of it on a run it was sadly too dry and firm to really consider eating so I, I had um, a couple of bites and gave up and put the rest put the, the rest of it in, back in the bum bag for when I got back to the car and instead just sipped some water as I went up the time and uh, it then also the, the bar the beetroot turned my spit bright pink which was um, disconcerting at first and then um I also remembered that I remember Bobby was talking about sort of liquid liquid sustenance on, on runs and then I'd remembered I had some you know like powdered carby drink in the cupboard. So I thought I'd use some of that today. And I realised I bought it in uh, September twenty twenty two out in Chamonix and I figured it'd be fine it smelled okay put some into the water uh, but it didn't really dissolve it just it kind of curdled the water which isn't something that I knew you could do um, it just didn't dissolve and then I, I sipped a little bit of it and it tasted kind of okay but I figured the last thing I want to do is give myself any kind of unfortunate side effects so I poured it away so I just had water so there was no performance enhancing additives um, but it was, a, it was a good run I did maybe just, just shy of my hoped for mileage but I think I got the ascent I needed and about four hours three quarters of a cheese sandwich and half a, a beetroot bar um, and a bit of water um, yeah not exactly the smorgasbord that perhaps ultra runners would go for but uh, you know more got to start somewhere um, and uh, yeah that's that's about it uh, it was lovely really nice run it's really sunny it was actually I on the way up I did actually think of you as well because I thought could have worn tights it was quite chilly but then by the time I was running down I was very warm so um, I was glad that I persevered with shorts um, but it was definitely gloves weather so quite a, you know a few fails the drink the sandwich uh, the bar but a few wins in that I actually got up reasonably early out for a run, I saw a big hairy caterpillar, which was wonderful, and also I saw a couple of people towards the end, because I was, <clears throat> it was a bit too early when I first set off, but as I was coming down I saw a few people, and what's nice about running around there is you tend to kind of know the people who are up there, because it's like, it's a nice little community of runners, um, so it was nice, it was nice to see people. Uh, to 
that you recommended to wave at and things. So enjoyed that. Um, yeah, so good. Uh, hope you're enjoying your holiday. Uh, much love. Have a capture tube on me. Goodbye. about running we talked about other things too thank you for joining we hope you enjoyed it that was on the back foot i'm currently up at my granddad's house and i've just stumbled across something which i read ages ago and i've forgotten about actually but it's a little handwritten report from when Chris Bland from Up Borrowdall ran all the Wainwrights and did seven books in seven days. And he started each day and finished each day at church because he was raising money for the church roof, I think, Up Borrowdall. Um, it's the, the first one I'd probably know of someone doing that. Obviously, I know people have done all the, the Wainwrights, um, but he did, yeah, seven books in seven days. And my uh, granddad helped on quite a few days actually so I think my granddad helped on three days um, and it was on this which uh, one thing that always amazed me and I have I probably have mentioned it before um, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this podcast but so my granddad was out running with Chris and it was on day two I think no sorry it was day three um, which was book four, so the Southern Fells. So he started off, Chris started off at Hawkshead, did Hawkshead, and then he went up to uh, Blackfell, Homefell, Weatherland, Swirlow, Great Cars, Greyfriar, Blisco, Coldfell, Crinklecrags, Bowfell, S. Pike. So my granddad was out with, with him, and my nana had gone up to Escorts to take some uh, flasks for them and she sat there in the shelter for two hours waiting for them and obviously that was before mobile phones this was back in uh, this was Tuesday the 30th of June 1981 so before mobile phones and trackers and anything like that and they'd just given me another rough time to be there so she's gone up a bit early so she didn't miss them and you know for all she know, knew they could have they could have packed in and turned around, but she sat there and waited, bless her. Um, it makes a good loud read, actually. <clears throat> I'm not sure if it's been properly publicised anywhere. This is just on, a, on you know, seven sheets of, of A4 paper. But it's, it's always lovely reading stuff like this and the adventures that folk got up to pre. I've also come across little cards that folk wrote to me. Grandad when my nana died a couple of years ago. And... There's a, amongst all that, there's a happy 90th birthday to my granddad when he was 90 last year. And on his 90th birthday, we took him up Latrig so he could go and have a sandwich and a bottle of beer on the top. <clears throat> and he walked quite a lot of the way up from the car park, actually. But there's a, a card here from a chap called Dave Stones, who is a pretty well-known fell runner. And my granddad helped Dave on his Bob Graham. And he, Dave went anti-clockwise as well and they were going up Halls Fell and I think Dave Stones wanted to lie down um, 
every five minutes and they let him have 30 seconds every five minutes when he lay down going to Paul's fell. And uh, the card here is a picture of Paul's fell, Blencather, which is pretty much the view from the Nanagunda's bedroom window. And it just says from Dave, with fond memories, ha ha. That's something we don't see enough of anymore, is actually people writing letters to people to say thank you for helping on their Bob Grahams. Because the ones I've got are very cherished for me because we have and granddad have got so many and my goal in life is to try and have half the adventures that they've had. So that's a subtle hint. If I help on your Bob Graham, mate, I'm expecting a written report from you of your day. So I can keep it in my little file I've got with all my other, other ones I've got.